Hey, we're in our series at Life Church. Believe, belong, become. I know this message is going to help you understand not just the mission that God is calling us to do here at Life Church and through our four campuses in Leeds, Belfast, Bradford, and Warsaw, Poland, but all of us to discover why we are here and answer some of the greater questions that we face from time to time in our lives. So I hope you enjoy it, and I'll be back at the end to tell you more about the work of Life Church. As we approach this, the end of our series, Believe, Belong, and Become, we are so grateful for what God is doing in the journey and the adventure of serving Him. You see, the outworking of the Christian experience has a beginning point. The beginning point when you first believe in Jesus at that new stage when you find Jesus. And we're so grateful for all of our campuses. Bradford, here our home campus, Leeds, Belfast and Warsaw for the people that are finding Jesus. Just Friday we had four young people accept Jesus on this campus. Just last Sunday at Newhall Ladies Prison, we had prisoners, literally women in prison, accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Just this week in one of the areas of our city here, it's called Clayton, a lady gave her life to Jesus with one of our teams called the Isaiah 61 team, the team that brings good news. So grateful for that. Just last week in Leeds, I was able to be on our Leeds campus and it was such a joy to see people accept Jesus there in this service. You know, every month we have somewhere between 20 to 40 people, depending on the month, on the month, accepting Jesus as their Lord and Savior between our campuses, sometimes more, sometimes less. Of course, we're praying that that would increase all the time. And then those people that accept Jesus go on to find freedom. And finding freedom is so essential that we don't just stay saved, but we grow in our faith to become free from the bad habits and the wrong thought patterns that, that God wants to help us get free from. And as we grow in our freedom, of course, we've realized that a key part of that is to not be lonely, but to plug in and find freedom in relationships. That God would give you the best friendships, the best relationships, which is why we believe in life groups. Life groups are a key part of our house to find freedom of connection because it's no good being lonely. Is there anybody lonely? Has anybody been through loneliness? Loneliness is not a blessing, it's a curse. When you don't have anyone to celebrate with, I mean, not just Christmas or your birthday, but just celebrate or pray or just spend time with, it's a curse, it's horrible to be lonely. And in this day and age, it amazes me that we can be connected on social media and yet still be lonely and not have anybody that really knows our inner world. So we're on a mission at Life Church to help people find freedom in relationships and then to move on to growth track. Growth track is a key emphasis in what we do, our spiritual growth track. Right now we have, we have literally, we have about 50 people across our four campuses on growth track. Right after this service today on this home campus, yet again, growth track is happening. What is it? It helps people grow and find out their spiritual purpose in life. It's no good just getting free. If you don't, then discover your purpose. If you just stay free, but then you don't use your freedom, you don't use your freedom to make a difference, which brings me to that final phase, our make a difference. We are so grateful for what I believe is the finest church, at least it's the finest church that I can serve. All the people making a difference, 
from youth leaders to kids leaders to life group leaders. Can we just give everybody making a difference across our campuses a round of applause? Because really we are doing so many good things together as a church, so many great things. And it's that context that I wanted to help move forward and help to articulate our mission. We're gonna keep saying it, we're gonna keep articulating it, we're gonna keep making it very clear, crystal clear, so that everyone knows what is our mission as a church. So important, because if you don't understand the mission, then you can just be aimless in life. And if you don't have that sense of understanding, you won't be able to plug in and find your spiritual uh, DNA that God has designed in you. But let me define what mission is. The dictionary defines mission as an important si assignment, an important assignment given to a person or a group of people. I can think of no greater mission than the mission that Jesus Christ has given to his local church across the earth. Can I get an amen? That was weak. Can I get an amen? Because we're not marketing a product. We're not trying to sell something to people that will make a momentary difference in their life. We're offering eternity. We're offering something that's so precious. And so when I'm talking about the mission, the reason why we are taking time to unpack this mission is so that we can make it crystal clear, not so that we as leaders are crystal clear, but so that every person in each of our four campuses understands how important each one of these stages is in the mission. This word mission has its origin in the 16th century and its origin in English was actually based on a word, on a word that is a biblical word, mission. And it was based on this 16th century word, the sending of the Holy Spirit into the world. That's where the word mission came from. I never knew that. That's been lost in our business mantra as it's explained today. I have not heard businesses say that mission was originated because of the sending of the Holy Spirit into the world. But of course, Matthew 28 is the great commission that many of us love and understand. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. That's the mission. So I wanna be clear about what that is. And as I move forward to unpack this, we're not trying to impress you what we're trying to do is to help guide you into a walk of obedience to follow Jesus. We're not trying to show you all these different scriptures to bamboozle you with all this cool stuff. No, we're showing you what's tried, proven, tested, and works to transform lives. The mission of God works. It transforms society. And we live in a time today when so many people are trying to make their one little thing the mission for the entire world. And you can just turn on the news and you see one people group trying to dominate the rest of the society. And you can see it from the latest London 2 bombing. You can see it from St. Louis to the riots that are going on now. You can go to Bangladesh. You can go a number of places around the world. And you can see the confusion because people don't understand the mission and the world is coming unglued. And what we see is this. This is the time for the local church to emerge, to emerge with hope and clarity and say the mission that we have is the love of Jesus Christ. Oh, if we could love people who are different than us, I think we would have a lot less problems in the world today. 
If we could love and listen and really build and connect with people, most of the problems that we see filling the news could be overcome by local churches. Right here in sunny Bradford, where I'm speaking right now, you know this because God has placed us right here in one of the most important, significant places in Europe. This is not a place that's in the back of beyond. No, God has strategically placed this for the mission of this local church to be outworked, to transform this part of the world. Come on, can I get an amen? Because that's why we're here. That's why God has placed us here. Now, as I, as I unpack this, I wanted to focus on this, not the believe aspect and not the sense of belonging today, but the becoming aspect. The believing aspect and the becoming aspect are summed up in some of our vision statements. And Charlotte preached about belonging so well last week, where the vision of our house is to create a home where everyone will feel included and find a place to belong. That's a vision statement, right? Now, the difference between mission and vision, I don't have time to go into all the details of this, but it's simple to say that mission is memorable. It's a specific statement that you can, you can learn and you can get your head around and wrap your head around it. Vision statements are longer and vision statements are what we will become in time. What we will become in time is a place where everyone feels included, where everyone feels welcome. But that means that you could be sitting here this morning and not yet feel welcome, not yet feel that this is part of your family. You know what? That's totally cool. That is totally cool. God's fine with that. God's glad you're here today. God's glad you're here and you woke up and you put yourself in this environment and you're, you're understanding more every single week what this means. I didn't want to focus much on belonging, but I can't talk about becoming unless you understand belonging. Because becoming is so important. It's the third aspect I wanted to focus on. And, and here's what I have realized in my studying and in my preparation for this. William James was a leading thinker, not Jock James, William James, in the, in the late 19th century. And he said this, compared to what we ought to be, we are only using about half of our physical and mental resources. The human individual thus lives far within his limits. He or she possesses powers of various sorts that he habitually fails to use. Wow, imagine that, realizing that we're not living up to our potential. We're not living up to everything that God is calling us and creating us to be. So in other words, it's like this. If we believe in Jesus and we belong, but we don't become who God intended us to be, we'll still believe and we'll still belong, but there'll be sense, this growing sense of frustration in you. This, this growing sense of missing God's best for your life. Because in your life, there's a becomer in you. And after you believe in Jesus, and after you belong to a, a group of people, or whichever way you do this, you could belong before you believe, but, but you're gonna get to the stage after you believe where you start becoming. And I wanna speak to some people today are in the process of becoming. So people who have some things that you're working on, some habits that you're, that you're seeking to beat, some situations that you wanna change, some things about you that you want to grow, Maybe that's just me, but, but, but I want to become. I want to become more than I am right now. I want to become a better person in lots of areas of my life, and I want to articulate 
what that is by turning to Judges chapter 6, verse 1. And as I ask you to turn to the Bible, to Judges chapter 6, I want you to imagine, what if everyone here, what if everyone here decided to become all that God had asked them to become? What if we all together just made that decision in one single moment to start the process of becoming? Well, that would mean that we'd have to deal with all the past frustrations, regrets, the area where the enemy, the devil, wants to make us feel condemned, wants to make us feel like, oh, what's the point of trying again? We can't try again. The enemy wants us to feel like that, contained and condemned. Oh, he hates this message today because we're believing today that the Word of God is going to help someone become the person that God has always destined them to become. You see, God designed you and destined you before the creation of the world to become, but, but we get caught up with all these different challenges in life. And so I wanted to focus our time in Judges chapter six. You can go ahead and turn there now and we're gonna have the scripture come up on the screen behind me. Judges chapter six, because the context of this is the Israelites were in a difficult season. They were literally getting contained by the culture around them, and they were not expanding and growing as God destined them to grow. They were confined geographically. They were confined financially. They were confined in their health. And they literally, the Bible picks this up, because of the power of the culture around them, these people were called the Midianites. In verse two, the Bible says the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Sounds a bit like the church today. That the Christians today are hiding in four walls of local churches, frightened about how to address situations like homosexuality or the Muslim situation or difficulties with, to do with suffering or healing today in our four walls of church life instead of understanding how compassionate the love of the gospel of Jesus Christ is and that the gospel works for every single person. So we don't need to fear having a conversation and yet, and yet here we see, we see the people of God frightened and they, they withdraw into their own people groups. They withdraw into their own denominations. They withdraw into their own spheres of influence, frightened, holding back, not believing that God is a mighty God, frightened that what, what they have inside of them will be tainted and ruined and spoiled if they interact with people around them. Instead of influencing the Midianites to understand how great God is, the Midianites had caused them to retreat and to hold force. Church, we were never destined to retreat back. We were never destined to withdraw from society. We were never destined to do that. You were not destined to do that. No, the Bible says again and again and again about you, that you should be the head and not the tail. The Bible says that greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. You weren't destined to shrink back from those difficult conversations in the office place and the board table, behind closed doors, in the kitchen. You weren't destined to shrink back. You were destined to step up and say, let me show you what the love of Jesus Christ looks like. The love of Jesus Christ that laid his life down for you and I. And here we have this scenario where the people, God's people were so confused. 
You know, when people are confused, guess what? God gets involved. When people get confused, the greater the confusion, God just steps in and gets involved. And here we see this scene where there's no food and there's no crops because they've retreated. They've stopped trying to, they've, the people of God have stopped seeing to the provision and the, the simple things of life. And so here they are, they've withdrawn into this, literally into this cave. Verse 11, here, let's pick the story up now. In verse 11, the angel of the Lord comes and sits down under the oak tree in Ophrah, note this word, that belonged to Joash, the Abizarite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Let me just pause here. Okay, there's so much in this verse. Here we have Joash, the father of Gideon. Now, Joash's name literally means God fired. It means the fire of God. That's what Joash means, okay? And here you see his son Gideon threshing wheat in a wine press. I had to study this because I don't know about you, but uh, I've never threshed wheat in a wine press in my life, let alone pressed wine. Has anybody pressed wine? Anybody threshed wheat? Okay, good. So we're, like, we're all in the same zone. We're tracking together, okay? So I had to study this. And what I learned is simply this, that normally what they did with wheat was they take tons of it, bring it into what's called the threshing floor, which is a huge barn, and bring yoke of oxen with these huge uh, um, they're like iron sledges and they, they separate out the grain. So the noise that it makes from the oxen and the sounds, and it, it, it's very loud and noisy, but, but Gideon's not doing that. Gideon's threshing wheat in a wine press, which means a wine press is for grapes and it produces just the smallest quantity of wine. And so here's Gideon trying to produce just the tiniest bit of food for, his, for himself and for his family right under this oak tree. And at best, maybe he's gonna make a few loaves of bread. That's the best that Gideon can think at the moment. He's just, I thank God he's taking some action, but the biggest that he can think is for his own needs. Now, and I think it's really interesting as you think about this, is that the angel of the Lord is sitting and watching this happening. I thought about, my, I thought about his father, Joash. Now, Joash, we see a little bit later on in the book of Judges, Joash had 10 servants and he was very wealthy. And yet we don't find Joash trying to create food for the future. In fact, what we see is the angel of the Lord passing over one generation to choose the next generation. Because you find Joash, he believed to a degree. He had belonging going on in his house, but he never became the fire of God for his generation. He never became, he never achieved his destiny, never became. And so he believed and he belonged. He had a family member. He had his own son, his own flesh and blood, but he never became, he never reached his potential. Okay, this is a scary thought that I think about often. Potential will always stay potential until you start becoming. So you might have potential in your heart right now, but, but if you don't get intentional about your becoming, you will die with the potential still inside your heart. So we have to be very intentional about this. This is why we're so focused on growth track and leadership development, because you might be new in our church, new to the things of God, but you need to understand God <laughs> you are not new to God. <laughs> you say yes to Jesus and believe, and now you're on track 
with the development of your destiny. Somewhere along the journey, Joash got off track. But who is grateful for the grace of God? The grace of God, the grace of Jesus Christ. Because even though Joash was off track, his own son Gideon was chosen to help him get back on track again. I know a little bit what this is like because I have two children. I have two children, Hope and Noah, and some days when I'm not doing so good and I'm tired, I look at my children and I think, I want to become a better person for the sake of my children. Does anybody pray those prayers? I may not want to get out of bed some morning, but I'm getting out of bed this morning because I want to make sure I create an atmosphere like Joshua did for his household. As for me and my household, I will serve the Lord. Not every day people in my household are like ready and up for church. In fact, if I could just say this, my daughter this morning was throwing up. She was ill. She was vomiting. And you know what? She came to church this morning. It's like, you know, it's one of those little flu bugs. You know, it's not anything to worry about, but... But it's like there's a decision you make when you will keep becoming, you will keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. That's what becoming means. You're not going to be able to become who God wants you to be unless you understand the power of being planted, the power of growing. And so I have determined I just don't want to live with potential because I don't want to die with potential in me. What I want to do is develop, to develop the seed of potential in me. Now, I want you to go a little bit deeper here because here we have, we have the angel sitting under an oak tree. I think that's not by accident. I don't think it's an accident that, that Gideon ran to an oak tree under the covering and the shadow of an oak tree to use this as a shelter and as, as his guide to stay protected from the Midianites. Because what is an oak tree? The oak tree started off as an acorn. And what I've got right here is my, my acorn. Now, this tiny little seed is destined to only become one thing. It cannot become a maple tree. It cannot become a sycamore tree. It has to become an oak tree. You can kill the seed, but you can't alter. It, it's going to be an oak tree. It's not going to turn into a sycamore tree. It's not going to turn into another kind of tree. You plant it, you water it. One day, it's going to be an oak tree. And here's Gideon. Gideon is treading wheat in a wine press. And there's this seed inside of him where God has chosen him to deliver an entire nation and be the provision of a nation. And yet he's so confused that he's there just trying to work it out. Here's what I want to say. When you just turn up, when you just show up and take one little step, God can release the potential inside of you. Just one step. One simple step, whatever that looks like. And here's Gideon, he is like, he's there, he's treading the wheat, he's doing his thing, he's really oblivious. But here's, here's what the angel of the Lord is doing. The angel of the Lord is staring right at his potential. He's just sat down, he's just watching Gideon. Just sat down, just watching him. Do you know right now as you're sat in the presence of God, God is watching you. God is studying you. He knows your ways. He knows what you said before you got here. He knows what you said last night when you went to bed. And guess what? Regardless of whatever you're going through, Jesus loves you more than you could ever imagine. He loves you so much. He, he, he wants to help you understand that great love. Here's Gideon. And Gideon's struggling and he's striving. And here's God turning up and just trying to show Gideon 
his future and his destiny. And so he says this, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Wow, I mean, just those simple words. I mean, it sounds great in this beautiful environment today of worship that we can say the Lord is with us, but you know when you're going through hell, when you know when you're, you're in intensive care or you know when you're, you're somebody you love is sick or you know that you can't, you're dealing with somebody who's had a hurricane or, or an earthquake or they're literally going through hell and it's really difficult, you know what? The presence of Jesus never leaves you, never forsakes you. He is there with you in your struggle. He is there with you in your tears. He is there with you in every single situation because the Bible teaches that wherever we go, he's there. And here's Gideon in his moment of grieving and he's freaking out and he doesn't know where his food's coming from. God turns up. If I can say one thing to you today, I want to prophesy it to you. God is going to turn up in your deepest need and your deepest moment. And whatever you're going through, you turn to Jesus. He turns to you. God turns up. God turned up. He said, he said, the Lord is with you. I love Gideon's response. This is Gideon's response. Where the God says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And Gideon goes, Pardon me, pardon me, pardon me. They're right there, verse 13, pardon me, my Lord. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that his ancestors? He's just going off on one. What's God doing? God is unlocking the potential of the seed that was in him. God's unlocking it. God knows that that seed is surrounded by problems. Do you know there's just enough problems in your life right now for you to emerge to prove that your God is who he said he is. You have just enough problems, just enough things going on in your life so that you can stand up in your moment of problems and you can see God deliver you time and time again. And here he is, Gideon is like, oh my gosh, pardon me. And so the Lord turns to him. Now here's the transition. Up until now, we see the angel of the Lord but now in this verse, we see the transition from the angel of the Lord to verse 14. Here it is, the Lord. Now that word, the Lord, that's, that's Jesus in the Old Testament, people. Jesus is turning up in the Old Testament. And here's what I wanted to let you know in the one minute I have left. When you turn to God in the moment of your need, there it is, Jesus turns to you. He's like, pardon me, pardon me, I can't deal with this. Jesus turns and he says, go in the strength that you have. Go in the strength you have. Say, well, well I, want, I want someone else's strength. I want the worship leader's strength. I want the youth pastor's strength. I want the young 20-somethings strength. I want someone else's strength. No, no, go in the strength that you have. Whatever you need, because in your weakness, his strength is going to be made perfect. Do you know that? Oh, if we understood that, I stopped praying. Oh, God, make my problems go away and say, God, help me have the strength to stand up in the midst of my problems. And God hears those prayers. And here's Gideon, and I don't have time to develop this, but from this point on, from that moment, Gideon starts becoming. What he comes next is pretty soon we see this. Next scene is so powerful. Here's Gideon, it's like, okay, God, if you're with me, he says it again, he says, pardon me? <laughs> How good is that? 
Maybe you just need to turn to the person next to you and say, pardon me. Go in and try it. It'll do good. Pardon me. Say, God is with you. Well, pardon me. He is. He's with you. He is with you. This passage, Judges 6, you can read it later, finishes when the Lord tells Gideon, I want you to go and I want you to, I want you to grab a couple things. I want you to grab some meat and I want you to put it on the rock. And this encounter finishes when fire comes from the rock and burns it up. What just happened? Joash's destiny, fire from the Lord, became owned by Gideon. Suddenly Gideon, the fire of the Lord, it adopted Gideon and the fire of the Lord came and that wasn't even enough for Gideon. And then he said, well, God, it's not, I, I still don't believe. So he has to have a fleece. And then after he has the fleece and he's a commander, he's still struggling with his destiny. All along his journey, we see Gideon struggling to become who God created him to be. So I'm saying that because church, if you're struggling to become, don't be condemned, join the club. I have struggled to become for years and here's what I've realized. I'm just gonna stop striving and I'm just gonna keep obeying Jesus. Just stop striving and just simply obey Jesus. Just don't worry about it. Just chill out about it. Just love Jesus. He's gonna help you along the process. That's why the Bible says in Philippians 1, 6, for I'm confident of this one thing, that God will finish the perfect work that he's begun in you. He will finish it. He will take you to the next step. That's what I'm confident in. I don't know where this finds you today, but, but I know as I've thought about becoming, I'm so grateful God's not given up on me yet. I'm so grateful that God is with us. He's with us as a church. The church we're becoming is simply this, to help as many people as possible to believe in Jesus and find belonging in God's house so that they can become all that they can be. Amen. Hey, that's all we have time for now. And as we draw our time together to a close, our prayer and our confidence rests in God, that God is with you. So as you move forward into your week and month ahead, we know that you're gonna go on to make a greater difference in your world.